Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. I love this series that we're in called Panic Attack. Really, very timely word for all of us to be aware of. We live in a day where the news around us can be unsettling. Issues in our own personal lives can, can just throw us off course. And these emotions arise within us that we have to learn how to deal with. You know the emotions. We can look at the world and have concern, or concern can turn into worry, concern into anxiety, concern into a sense of foreboding, can turn into a literal panic attack. And when these happen, there's a great tendency to try to ignore these emotions, to pack them inside of us, to deny them. Always they will come out in some very unhealthy ways. The message of faith is we need to deal with them. We need to bring them to Jesus. We need to turn to the scriptures to see how we handle these challenges that are before us. So what we have done is each week in August, we're looking at a root cause of panic and seeing what the scriptures say to us about that. So you remember we began two weeks ago by talking about the uncertainties, the unknowns of life. We're just not sure what's going to happen next. Last week we talked about hurry, the pace of life that is too fast, and how do we deal with that? And today we're talking about loneliness. Loneliness is such a huge issue before us because honestly it had been a growing issue long before COVID as increasingly people have lost their social networks and connections and loneliness has been growing and then along came COVID and after COVID and social isolation, it became more and more of a problem. In fact, I saw one poll that said 62% of the American public struggles with loneliness, 62%. And so the question is, do we understand how it affects our lives and do we know how to get in touch with our own loneliness? So I want us to think of a definition. The first definition is to think about how God wired us to live, the social connections, the friendship, the intimacy that we're supposed to have to help us live a happy and healthy life. That's one part of the equation. The second part are those social connections and relationships that we do have, and if there's a gap between how God created us and where we are, that gap is loneliness. Now, we need to know we're all different when it comes to loneliness. We're wired differently. If you're an extreme introvert, the amount of social connections may be a little less than someone that's an extreme extrovert like me. Todd is an extreme introvert. I'm an extreme extrovert. So there may be a gap there. Or our personality profiles are really important, which is why I think we need to understand ourselves and tests like Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram are, are so helpful in understanding that. But we need to personally ask the question, the social connections and friendships and relationships we need to be ha- happy and healthy the way God wired us to be versus the, the relationships that we actually have. And we need to take that very seriously if there is a gap, if there's loneliness in our lives. Because the medical folks will tell us loneliness is one of the most devastating uh, attributes for our health. When we're lonely, it decreases our health. It shortens our lifespan. You and I were made to live in deep relationship with each other. And we need to be aware, acutely aware of how loneliness affects us. And so we get a wonderful lesson of that in our scripture lesson for today as Jesus really deals with loneliness 
in a powerful way for us. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn now to Matthew chapter 8, and let's look at verses 1 through 4. Matthew 8, verses 1 through 4. Hear the word of the Lord. When Jesus had come down from the mountain, great crowds followed him, and there was a leper who came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. He stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Then Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now we need to understand what leprosy was like in their day. It was devastating physical ailment. Let's think about the physical conditions of leprosy. Leprosy was a disease of the nerves. Your nerve endings didn't have feelings. And so normally where you would have pain, you would not have pain. When you had leprosy, your muscles would just weaken and weaken over the course of the disease. You would have skin scabs and sores um, that would be on your body that were very difficult to deal with. Also, your tendons would start to contract and literally your hands would become like claws and you lost mobility, the use of them. And because you could not feel pain over the course of time, literally your toes, your fingers would get wounded and injured and you didn't know and literally they would drop off your body. With leprosy, it was a slow, progressive, debilitating disease that could take up to 30 years. So if that's not horrible enough, the social and uh, the, the, the religious symbolism of the disease and the stigma that was put on you uh, was even worse than the physical sim- uh, symptoms of the disease. Dr. William Barclay has done such great work uh, in his biblical commentaries, and he tells us what it was like mentally and socially to deal with leprosy. This is what Dr. Barclay said. <clears throat> A person with leprosy was considered unclean and was to be avoided banished from the fellowship of friends and family. They were made to live outside the city. They had to wear torn clothes, and when people came near, they had to shout, unclean, unclean. One with leprosy had to bear not only the horror of the physical symptoms, he or she had to bear the mental anguish and heartbreak of being completely banished from human society and being totally shunned. To have leprosy was to be given a death sentence of loneliness as you were banished from friends and family in the greater community. And so this man with this horrific disease, here's Jesus coming to town and the crowds are gathering and he's on the outskirt and in desperation he cries out to Jesus. What does he say? Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. And I love Jesus' answer instantly. He says, I do choose. And he heals the man. And after he's healed, he tells him, go to the priest and go through all the ceremony, cleansing and rituals and and offerings that you are to make. And Jesus told him to do that because then he would be pronounced healed and clean. He could rejoin society, rejoin his family, be connected again to that sense of community. What a great lesson for us because when we're lonely, we are very much like that man And we need to be aware and we need to cry out to Jesus and say, if you choose, Lord, heal me. And know that Jesus says, I do choose. You see, what we need is a sense of belonging. 
We need deep, real, authentic friendships and relationships with each other. We were made to live in connection with a, with a vibrant community. We need to be healed of our loneliness. We need to bring our loneliness to Jesus. Heard a wonderful story, and I've been really thinking about it. A couple of months ago, how many of you, anybody familiar with the Savannah Bananas? That story is gaining traction. It's actually a minor league baseball team in Savannah, Georgia. What happened is this team had been struggling for years, had an old stadium, nobody would come. And so finally it went bankrupt. And there were some young sports executives who thought, you know, we're, we want to buy this team and we want to do something different. We want to make this be fun. This, we want this to be exciting. We want this to be like any, not like anything else in sports. And so they had all these crazy ideas to make this minor league team kind of fun and exciting. And so some of the teams are, there's a first base coach that dances. So he does all these wild and crazy dances in the game. The players are choreographed. Um, they also have this mascot in the form of a banana, this kind of zany. Just, just look at that, doesn't that make you smile? So this mascot is all over the place. They did something interesting. Their tickets are only $17, but with your ticket, you get all the food, all the drink you can have for the whole game. And so I don't know how they make that work, but that's part of the process. Um, they also just continue to do funny, zany things. They have a dance line made up of grandmothers who dance at every game. Um, they also have a marching band, not normally a marching band with baseball, but they just do that and all these crazy kind of ideas. Now, we would make a big mistake if we think the point of the Savannah Bananas is all about kind of having fun and entertainment and trying to draw a crowd to watch a college-level <clears throat> uh, sports team. Not what it's about. Because the genius, the heart of the Savannah Bananas, it's about community because the players spend a whole lot of time with the fans. They get to know the fans, they visit with the fans, and they interact with fans who are hurting and struggling, and they build bridges and real relationships. The mayor of Savannah said people go to the game because they want to find connection, and they want to bring down the walls that divide people. And the owner of the team says, our purpose is not to win or lose baseball games, but to help people know that they belong to each other. And this team has struck a chord, not only in that community, but around the nation. Games are completely sold out. They have a waiting list of 65,000 people to buy season tickets. Can you imagine that? 65,000 people on a waiting list. They have a waiting list of 1,900 people, of people who want to work there. They want to be a part of the organization. So they're signed up on a waiting list to do that because people are hungering for community and connection to battle the loneliness of our age. <clears throat> I heard the story a couple of months ago from a good friend of mine named Brian Summerall. He's gone to a couple of the games, he loves it, and was telling me the story. And then he told me something interesting. He said, you know, they do something at the end of every game, win or lose, something remarkable happens. And I want us to hear Brian tell the story, what happens at the end of a Savannah Banana Baseball game. And I can attest to that having been to two games this past season. That they win or lose at the end of a Savannah Bananas game, you go out to the plaza in front of historic Grayson Stadium, and the players are out there, the owner is out there, the ushers, the parking penguins, the banana nanas, the dancing grandmas are out there, the concession people, and the fans. 
and you, they have a New Orleans jazz band playing songs and everybody dances all together as a community, win or lose. And at the end of the night, you get in a big circle and you link arms, owner, fan, concessions, players, young, old, black, white, Hispanic, Democrat, Republican, left-handed, right-handed, and you link arms and you sing Stand By Me, led by the band, at the top of your lungs, arm in arm. If the sky that we look upon should tumble and fall or the mountains should crumble to the sea, I won't cry, no, I won't be afraid, just as long as you stand by me. All together, young, old, rich, poor, employee, employer, and as a tear came down my eye, as I realized there is a war in the Ukraine, there has been another school shooting, I can turn on the TV and see red yell at blue and blue yell at red. I went, wow, for one night, for one moment, here we are together in community. I love that because, my friends, that should be the church. That's who we're called to be. That's what the world needs from us. That's our witness that we come together with all of our diversity and we link arms and we love each other and we sing, stand by me. The church needs to be the place that lonely people come to meet Jesus. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he's the only one who can heal us. Jesus is the only one who can fill us. Because really that's what, that's what loneliness is. It's, it's an emptiness. Loneliness is an emptiness of, of time and space and heart and soul. It's, it's an emptiness of love and intimacy and compassion. It's an, it's an emptiness of worth. Because right? try, no matter how hard as we may, we just can't seem to overcome our uniquely human tendency to, to value ourselves through other people's eyes. Their willingness to love us, their willingness to accept us, warts and all. Even with all of our strangeness, with our weirdness, with, with everything that comes along with with who we are, and we know, at least I hope we know, we hope we know that, that we get that sort of love, we get that sort of acceptance with God, but we need it from each other too. We need it because we were wired to need it. I mean, if you don't believe me, just go back, go back and read that creation account that Pastor John was talking. Go back and read Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. There you're going to see God doing exactly what God does. There we see God creating. It's the, the sky and the sea. You see him creating the, the birds, the fish, everything. And it's good. God says it's good. 
Then it comes time for, for God to, to create the sun and the moon and the stars, the beasts, the fish. And again, God looks around at everything that he just made and God calls it good. And Hebrew, it's tob, it's good, it's right, it's fit, it's meat, it's the way it's supposed to be. Everything that God creates, he calls good. Everything, except for one thing. And that's whenever he creates us, it's whenever he creates man. He looks down and, and he sees the man and he's all by himself. And God says, that is not good. It's not good for the man to be alone. And so God goes back to work and God creates a partner. God creates a helper for him. You, you see, from the very beginning, God knew the danger. From the very beginning, God knew the fear. God knew the panic of loneliness. And it's crazy. Loneliness is one of those, those crazy emotions that God gave us. It's this crazy emotion because, because we, and you know this, we can feel lonely even when we are surrounded by people, even when we are surrounded by friends. Have y'all ever experienced that? Have you ever felt that? It's got to be one of the worst ways, the worst ways to feel loneliness. When we've got people in our lives, but we just can't shake this feeling that it, it doesn't really matter because they don't really care. Because all those relationships, all those, those friendships, they're just, they're just friendships of convenience. They're just friendships of utility with no real depth. And no matter how many times we tell ourselves, hey, look, don't feel lonely, don't feel lonely, you got people. Look at your cell phone, look at all the people you got on, on social media. No matter how many times we feel, tell ourselves, don't feel lonely, you got folks, it's, it's no use. Because it doesn't do anything to, to ease, it doesn't do anything to heal the loneliness that we in fact feel. And we struggle to understand. Um, we just got back uh, last week, uh, we took Caleb to start his sophomore year at Auburn. And uh, I got to tell y'all, uh, college apartments have changed a whole lot in the 20, 25 years since, since I've gotten to live in a college apartment. Um, Caleb's apartment, Caleb, they have their own like rooftop pool and they've got a golf simulator and they've... His apartment complex, they have their own tanning bed, which I think might be something you only find at schools in the SEC. I don't know. Um, but, but Caleb this year, Caleb's living with four of his buddies. And I got to tell you, that, that changed the dynamic. That changed the dynamic of the move, of the move in, uh, of the drop off. It wasn't the whole waterworks fest that we had last year, you know? And, and I know that we have some folks in here that just recently you have dropped off your kids. You've dropped off your kids for your freshman year. Um, let me tell you, it, it gets better. Know that, know that I know that we are praying for you, that we're praying for your kids. Um, the sophomore year is totally different. And I'm not going to lie, my, my, still, my, my eyes still leaked a little bit this year. But it, like I said, it was for a different reason. It wasn't the, the, the fear that compelled those tears. Those tears, they didn't come out of this, this place of panic for my child. We're leaving him in this place of abject loneliness where he doesn't know a soul. We weren't leaving him in this place where I couldn't do anything to fix it for him. This year, my tears simply said, I'm going to miss you so much. I love you, and I'm proud of you. Like I said, um, this is a sophomore year, and one of my favorite things to do around our house is to torture our boys with lessons from ancient languages. 
And don't you wish you grew up in my house? Uh, um, and one of my all-time favorite lessons to remind them about actually is about the word sophomore. It is the, the, the history, it's the truth that, that, that the word sophomore in Greek literally means wise fool. And if you think about it, especially the teachers that we have in here, if you think about it, that is the perfect description of sophomores. And I don't care if you're talking about sophomores in high school or sophomores in college, wise fool is the perfect description of sophomores and especially sophomore guys. Because there is just something about that age. When we are that age, we just have this tendency to think that we know more than we do. We're at that place where we, we don't know yet what we don't know. Whenever it comes to relationships, when it comes to friendships, when it comes to love, when it comes to loneliness even, I worry that that many of us, if not most of us, we're still sophomores. We don't yet know what we don't know. We haven't learned the, the lessons of loneliness yet, much less, much less the lessons of solitude that place where we can be all alone, where we can be by ourselves, but we don't feel lonely, solitude. That place, that sacred place, that holy ground of deep spiritual listening where God really goes to work on us. So I gotta wonder, I wonder, I wonder if we were there. I wonder if we were there in the place of this leper. I wonder if Jesus was coming down the mountainside right there in front of us. I I wonder what we would have asked him for. What area of your life would you have asked Jesus to touch? What area of your life do you need Jesus to heal? we've all got something, all we, we, we lepers, we've got something, some doubt, some, some distance, some disease, some dysfunction, we've all got something. And the very first step towards healing is always honesty. It's, it's just to name it. It's to call it out. See, that's the thing about being in relationships. That's the thing about being in authentic community. We got to be authentic. We got to be real and And I get it, that's scary. That's scary because it means that we're going to have to take off our masks. It means we're going to have to let down our guards. It means we're going to have to stop playing games. It means we're going to have to stop pretending. We're going to have to stop pretending to be these perfect people that we want everyone else to think that we are. And truth be told, the only reason we're pretending is because everyone else seems to be pretending too. And so let's just go ahead and pop that bubble. Let's just try to Go ahead and unmask that lie again for the 13th time. Let's just, let's just go ahead and admit that we've all got struggles. And we've got, all got issues, and there's not a single one of us who's gotten this thing figured out. And sure, there, there are some of us, I know, surely there are some of us who are a little bit further on down the road. Um, maybe you're not spiritual sophomores anymore. Maybe you're a junior. I know we've even got some spiritual seniors in here, but that just means that it becomes your responsibility, it becomes your Christian duty to help the rest of us out, to help us find our way. We gotta start getting real. We gotta be real about who we are and we gotta get real about what we say. And I'm not just talking about the games we play, I'm not talking about the stories we tell. 
I'm not talking this morning about the stories we tell to our friends or to our family. I'm not even talking about the the stories that we tell to the world, the the perfectly curated, the, the perfectly posed, the perfectly polished posts that we put on social media. I'm not talking about that. I'm not even talking about the things that we say when we get in our little, our little clusters, the things we get when we get in our little cliques, the mean, snarky, gossipy things that, that we say when we huddle together and start to whisper. I'm not talking about that this morning, even though the Bible's got plenty to say about that. Now, what I'm talking about this morning are the things that we say to ourselves. The things we say to ourselves whenever panic attacks, the things we say to ourselves when loneliness strikes. In fact, um, back in 1631, there were, uh, there were a couple of guys in London, they were the, the official royal printers. And they took it upon themselves to, to, to print and to publish a brand new version of the Bible, but, but they made a mistake, they made, they made a pretty terrible mistake. Um, these two guys, they, they missed a word, they forgot a word, a really important word. Um, they forgot a word in Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. It's the seventh commandment. It's the commandment that tells us, thou shalt not commit adultery. Now just go ahead and guess which word they forgot. (laughs) Their version ended up reading, thou shalt commit adultery. I mean, I don't care who you are, that's just not good. Um, And these two guys, whenever the error was found out, they lost their royal appointment, they lost their position, they lost their royal license, they, they, they got fined, all of their Bibles. The Bible, by the way, came to be known as the Wicked Bible. Um, all of the versions of the Wicked Bible, all the copies that have been sold, they tried to get back. Uh, they're only uh, like less than 20 they are still known to exist. One of them is down in Houston if you ever want to go check it out. But the only reason I share that this morning is simply to be able to say that our words matter. The things that we say and the things that we don't say matter. Again, just check out the creation stories. Go back and read, how did God do what God did? He spoke. He spoke everything into being and you and me, we're created in God's image. We are blessed, we are cursed with that very same creative capacity. We can speak and create hope. Are you and me? We can speak and create despair. We can speak and create love or we can speak and create hate. Our words have power, especially the words that we say to ourselves. And so whenever panic attacks, whenever loneliness strikes, we got to be really careful. We got to be really careful about the things that we say to ourselves about ourselves and the things we say to ourselves about others. Because in that place, it gets really easy to believe, it gets really easy to, to, to think that everyone else, everyone else is just out there having a grand old time. In those moments of our own loneliness, in those moments of our own fear, it's easy for us to think that there is a party going on and everyone else got invited except, except for us. We losers, we, we lepers. And that's just not true. Don't believe the lie. Truth is, we're all just trying to do our best. We're all just trying to keep our head above water. And this morning, I don't hear me. I, I, I don't want to belittle. I don't want to dismiss. I don't want to diminish the, the pain. I don't want to diminish the panic of loneliness. Because I know. I know from the inside. I know from personal experience that it's real. That's paralyzing. 
I know that there's a world out there that's dying in need to, to meet this one, this only one who can heal us. And sometimes, sometimes that healing, like here in, in our scripture for this morning, sometimes that healing is immediate. Sometimes God hears our, our earnest plea. Sometimes God hears our prayer and God will open the door. And we'll meet someone, we'll meet a friend, like a real friend, an earnest friend, a boon companion. It's a friendship of providence, but, but at other times, that's exactly what it's gonna take, time. Um, I was reading one of my devotionals this past week and the author said something that was amazing, something that I'd never heard it put this way before. He said that our kids spell love with four letters, T-I-M-E. Our kids spell love, time. And I don't think it's true just of our kids. I think it's true for, for all of us. And so if we want to find a friend, a real friend, we got to be prepared to put some work in, to put some, some time in. We got to be prepared to put some time in being real around others. If we want to make a friend, we, we got to be prepared to put some time in being a real friend. And maybe, maybe it's a neighbor across the street. Maybe it's some kid that, that we share a locker next to. Maybe it's a, a friend, a friend of proximity. Or maybe, maybe we come up here. Maybe we've been praying to God for a friend. Maybe we decide we're gonna come up here and we're gonna start a new Bible study. Now's kind of the season to do that. Everything's launching. Maybe we come up here and we find someone, a new friend, a, a friend of shared purpose. Maybe we're up here for a missions event. Maybe we're going out and we're serving something. We meet someone, again, a friend, a friend of shared passion. Whatever it is, it's probably going to take time and it's definitely going to take courage. Us being brave enough to, to leave our, our stale but safe confines of our loneliness because we're never going to get rejected there. But to leave that place to, to be available, to be, to be authentic, to be real, because maybe... Maybe the first step, maybe the first step always in finding folks like ourselves is just showing up. Maybe the, the first step towards finding folks like ourselves is just showing up as ourselves. We sophomore lepers who are just trying to follow Jesus. Let that be said of us. Let it be said that we are that sort of people. Let it be said that we're that sort of community. Let it be said that we're that sort of church. Let it be said that we're that, let it be said we're that sort of friends. Especially, especially when panic attacks. As we pray. Our God, um, God, if you choose, you can heal us. And we know the choice you make. In ways that sometimes we don't understand, God, we know the answer to that prayer is yes. In unexpected, unforeseen ways, Lord, your answer is always yes. And so, Lord, this morning we pray for healing. For our world, for our nation, for our community, for our church, for families and marriages all throughout this room, for those joining us online. God, heal us. God, heal us in mind and body and soul, heal our families, God. Come to us in all of those empty places, come to in all of those lonely places, Lord, and fill us up. 
Lord, especially we pray right now for, for maybe there are those in this community that, that, that are brand new. Maybe there are those that are new to this area and they just haven't met anyone yet. Lord, we pray open those doors. And we pray for our students, especially those that are starting new schools. Lord, we pray surround them with friends, with good friends, with the right sort of friends, with the friends that will tempt them towards righteousness, Lord. God, keep them safe, keep them healthy, keep them faithful. Lord, keep them close. For we ask that of ourselves, Lord, keep us close. And remind us, even in our loneliness, remind us that you call us friend. Remind us of your unfailing presence in our life, God. And sometimes just let that be enough. In the quiet, Lord, in the quiet of the loneliness, even in the quiet of the solitude, God, move and have your way in us. Come to us, take us, change us, and use us, Lord. Use us all and only for the glory of your name, because it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.